You're listening to the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega Podcast on the Odyssey Robots Radio Network. What's up, folks? It's me, it's me. It's Mr. Sensational Gino V. Coming to you with episode 26 of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the IC Robots Radio Network, speaking with you after what felt like an extremely protracted holiday season layoff. But we're back. Uh, I don't want to say we're better than ever because I don't know that we were ever that good to begin with, but the conversation or the monologue, as it were, resumes with another episode of the MSGV pod. Folks, I'm glad to be back. Um, Today is actually the first official day of my new year. That's right. Happy 2021, folks. Um, The arduous 12 months of LOL 2021, am I right? Or no, LOL 2020. Am I right? It's finally in the rear view. I found that whole phenomenon kind of strange. The sort of uh, anthropomorphizing of 2020 into a villainous entity um, when it was really nothing more than the fates, than coincidence uh, that saw several unpleasant uh, social phenomena occurring in that same calendar year. But... Either way, it's over. Our, our rueful shaking of the fist at, at a, a collection of months has come to collective end, and we're here at 2021. And like I said, this is my first official day. Um, uh, it's a Monday. I'm officially off holiday schedule, back to the day-to-day grind, back trying to get my day-to-day beat beneath me. Uh, some people I know try to kick that off the second the first hits, but like half the time, I mean, you know, the first, what was that this year? It was like a Saturday. I'm not going to start trying to be normal. Uh, when we're still in the middle of the weekend, man, there's still partying to be had. It's still the holiday season. It's the holiday season. But yeah, that's all over now. I'm back to reality. Um, I guess we can take a moment here to reflect on what went down here at Sensational Manor over the holiday weeks where I was gone and where we are headed moving forward. It's kind of a strange holiday season. I mean, duh, in the middle of a global pandemic and everything. Um, But even just beyond the obvious logistical difficulties of not having traditional holiday celebrations, I just, I never uh, really latched onto the holidays this year. Normally, for me, it's a much more uh, ceremonial unfurling, and it feels like a real kind of pre-holiday build for weeks, even before the true holidays kick in. And then once they do kick in, that goes on for weeks, and it's just this joyous cacophony of uh, holiday parties and holiday foods and holiday drink and holiday cheer. And this year, it felt like I was getting ready for it to start, and then it was over. Um, just very abrupt this year. And I realized thinking back, it's because normally, as mentioned, there's like holiday parties you go to like weeks before people are even off work and all that. And so there's more of that drum beat leading up to a crescendo. And then that did not exist with our COVID holiday season in 2020. Damn you, 2020. Um, thinking about this and it was causing me to realize I've been kind of in a temporal fog for a long time now. 
I thought maybe it was just me, but actually I, I saw, saw an article somewhere in one of the lamestream media tomes that I uh, subscribe to, that I leaf through, getting my um, radical Biden uh, agenda propaganda, um, you know, a publication where they actually um, do um, extreme things like uh, write in complete sentences and punctuate sentences and uh, uh, interview people and <laughs> factually report on what those people told them. Yeah, you know, fringe fringe stuff like that. I don't know. One of these fringe publications, I was reading um, an article about how um, 2020 actually has been um, just kind of a uh, temporal mind F for many people. The, 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 the passage of time has become distorted and um, has to do with the fact that obviously most of us are on schedules that just barely resemble anything we knew prior to last March. And that's been true for me. Not that I had that wild and crazy of an out-in-the-world schedule even before that, but just so much has changed and so much has left our day-to-day life and day-to-day life has become more of just kind of a static beat versus a improv crazy solo. Um, so it's a lot of the same day in and day out. And I guess this article was saying that that scientifically speaking, um, there's actually uh, something to be said for how this changes your perception of time. Um, and I've certainly felt that to be the case. I mean, if, I feel like between last March and today, it's been both 10 minutes and 200 years. And then it doesn't really matter which one I pick. It's all the same. It's all a flat circle. And here I am trying to pick up the pieces here for another year. But aside from the fact that our sensational family holidays this year, um, to me, felt very abrupt, came and went in a flash, uh, wasn't bad. Um, was not a bad holiday season. We had a good time for what we could do. And there's not really much to do outwardly here. Um, everything is pretty much closed down again in Napa, California. Um, so yeah, we, we had some good food. We, uh, got food a couple times from, uh, there's this, uh, Japanese restaurant that opened up here in town. And as listeners may know, I'm, I'm quite partial to Japanese food. It's probably my favorite, favorite of the world cuisines. Um, so this restaurant had opened up here like right before the pandemic started and it was just a high-quality, legit, traditional Japanese restaurant. Uh, and then the pandemic hit. Pandemic hit before. I don't even think I ever got to go there before the pandemic started. And we finally did, I think, um, eat there in some fashion, probably takeout. And we're uh, very happy with the place, happy to have found a new uh, home for Japanese food because our other uh, main restaurant that we... Uh, Go-to for Japanese food is back in Sonoma County, where we moved from. Um, So it was nice to find another spot here locally. Um, But because of just the way their timing had happened with opening and the pandemic and everything, they obviously were in a hard spot and they shut down. But they live again in half-life form. Yes, Hal Yamashita Napa um, exists in what is called a ghost kitchen, where they basically rent out a commercial kitchen space and... Make food that you order ahead of time, and uh, so they know how much demand they have, and it sells out eventually because they don't want to, you know, blow all their money on food costs for stuff they're not going to sell. You order ahead of time, you go pick up the food, and it is not the same as uh, generally in traditional Japanese fare. is more about going to a location and having this kind of 
um, long, sprawling meal. A little different with takeout, but what are you going to do? 2020! Um, so yeah, we got uh, takeout from them a couple times over the holiday season. They had a couple different holiday uh, special meals. One was uh, one we got, I think we had it on Christmas Eve. Uh, there's a Japanese dish, Chirashi Sushi. I think... God, I should know this. I don't have it in front of me. I think Chirashi Sushi might mean um, scattered. I could have the wrong dish in mind, though. But it's basically, um, it's uh, not um, like nigiri sushi or sashimi, where it's like these neatly um, cut pieces of fish either by themselves or on top of like neatly packed rice. It's a rice bowl with kind of different fish and seafood stuff just kind of scattered all over it. So I'm pretty sure that is the, the Chirashi is the scattered sushi. Um, uh, so it was that, that dish, which um, this place, how Yamashita has done quite a bit of during the pandemic because it's easily, it's, it's more easily take outable than, than other styles of sushi because it, it's in a bowl format. Uh, it was Chirashi sushi, but it was shaped to look like a Japanese Christmas cake. So it would have this like um, uh, sliced cucumber wrapper around it to make it look like it was this green cake. And then there was the different sushi on top of it, on top of this bed of rice. Um, I don't know. I can't really do much justice uh, describing it. And I don't even know why I'm trying to. But uh, cut that thing up like a Christmas cake and had it on Christmas Eve. And that was that was a highlight of the season. Just excellent food from good old Hao Yamashita here in... Uh, Napa, California. Two locations. Tokyo, Japan. Napa, California. Um, oh, yeah. I, it's occurring to me now that I am on this riveting topic of what I ate during the holidays. Wanted to give a quick shout out to um, friend of the network, E-Nerd. Engineer Nerd. Um, I noticed over on Facebook that he is participating in some kind of um, periodical, I don't know if it's monthly, weekly, whatever, but um, Japanese snack box gimmick where he appears to have a variety of Japanese snacks shipped to his home in, I believe he lives in Indiana. So from Japan to Indiana, um, the Japanese snacks are coming in fast and furious. And he had posted one that I was cracking up about to myself because it was some sort of... uh, I think it was like a, a donut more or less like some fried dough uh, deal um with a red bean paste filling and there was some talk on his thread uh, from that post about what um said snack was like and uh, some folks who were unfamiliar with the red bean paste seemed quite put off by it um i believe enerd himself if i'm re- remembering correctly said that while he did not dislike the red bean paste-centric uh, treat, um, it's not necessarily something he would eat a ton of. Anyway, I was laughing at myself because I grew up with uh, red bean desserts. And when it comes to these kind of East Asian desserts, um, both red bean and quite a few other desserts that show up in Chinese cuisine... Um, this snack he was having was Japanese, but the red bean paste is kind of ubiquitous in the East Asian neck of the woods. Um, when it comes to red bean desserts and a lot of Chinese desserts in general, as much as I am a fan of the Asiatic cuisine, I've never been 100% on board with the dessert scene. 
Um, I spent a lot of time dining at a little hole-in-the-wall restaurant when I was a kid called the One Ton House. The One Ton House in San Francisco, California. I used to go there with my grandpa. And the One Ton House had a little fridge in the dining area where you could go get a drink and then, you know, they would charge you for it. But so they had like, you know, Coca-Cola's 7-Ups, etc. But they also had these red bean drinks. They were almost kind of a red bean shake. And I would get those sometimes. And I, I can empathize with E-Nerd because it's not that I disliked them, but wasn't necessarily clamoring for seconds, much less thirds. So... The mysterious red bean paste. Even even someone who grew up with it is not quite sure what to think. I was I often wonder what people who actually grew up in East Asian countries think about stuff like the red bean. Like, is it something that is the domain of like the old folks and the young folks? Like, yeah, it's that red bean paste stuff. Or is everyone there just just all in, all in on the red bean paste? Um, few few similar uh, uh, bean related. Asian dishes I wonder about. There's a Japanese dish, natto. Natto is fermented soybean. I've had it before, and it's all right. It's not great. I probably wouldn't go out of my way to eat it. But again, I wonder if it's one of those things like, you know, eat your Brussels sprouts, kid. You'll grow up big and strong. Although, Brussels sprouts, much maligned. Much maligned. If you don't like Brussels sprouts, it's simply because you do not know how to prepare them or you've never had them prepared correctly. In any case... As fascinating as I'm sure this food talk is, uh, I guess we can move on. Oh, I'll give one, one final food, holiday, post-holiday related shout out. Um, For those of you who listen to the Stuck at Home show, you have been privy of late to Icy Robot's um, caloric intake. uh, um, I don't want to say struggles because he seems to be doing just fine with it, but the fact that he's been... uh, uh, um, Tracking food, tracking caloric intake. And um, because it's the start of the new year and I felt like being um, a, uh, a cliche American person, I too have vowed to, to um, uh, rehabilitate my caloric intake here in 2021. Um, much, much respect to ISR for taking it on in the midst of the holidays. I can't do that. I just, I, I don't even... I don't even think about uh, limitation during the holiday and let myself get into the the self-whipping zone come the first or the fourth, as it were. Um, But in any case, I'm I'm trying to get back on the straight and narrow with what I've been eating. And I noticed that he had mentioned um, eating lentils lately. I just had a dope lentil curry for dinner the other night. I'm having some leftovers for lunch today, what Gino Vega had for lunch or will be having for lunch. So just wanted to give a shout out to the lentil. Another another much maligned, um, much maligned piece of food material. Uh, I, yeah, I've, there's all these uh, um, foodstuffs that I feel like um, you know the lentil, the Brussels sprout. Uh, what else do we have here? Maybe tofu. Various things get lumped into this dreadful uh, umbrella of kind of sad 1970s American health food. And they're just not that. They were co-opted in the 1970s as boring, dreadful health food, but they do not have to be that. So um, as much as I'm one for the fried lard and the uh, uh, tongue taco and the, uh, I, I don't know, the 
hostess powdered donuts, any, any kind of more like, um, I don't know, would you call that sexy? Uh, <laughs> the more fun sounding, um, uh, you know, bad for the arterial sclerosis foodstuffs. As much as I love all that, I'm a, I'm a person of balance. And so I, I have room in my heart for the more supposedly healthful things. But these supposedly healthful things do not necessarily have to be dreadful across the board. Wanted to put that out there. Wanted to shout out to ISR for the lentils because lentils, good stuff. Um, you know, one other, <laughs> I don't know. I guess we're a food, we're a food podcast now. This is a food podcast. Um, Menudo. Saw a friend of mine, um, Facebook friend of mine, Mexican-American friend of mine, um, who was uh, dogging on menudo the other day. He posted a meme, and it was like, how you eat menudo the right way, and it showed a guy just like throwing it in the garbage. I was, I was just blown away. I love menudo. Menudo is just, the, it's the stuff of life. It's like, uh, I, I just, I, I cannot get enough of that stuff. I would eat it all the time if I could. I, I hardly ever get it, because I don't really... Lately, especially, I don't really have a good go-to spot, but um, nothing like some awful, some innards to make one feel alive. That's the funny thing, too. It's like that guy uh, posted about it. Much I mean, people can have, I, I'm, I'm clowning around here, but uh, like what you like, don't like what you don't like. It's, it's all good in the hood. But um, some people on that thread was freaking out about the fact that Menudo utilizes animal innards. And I just feel like if you eat animal at all, how could you be any more grossed out by one part of the thing that comes out of a dead carcass than another? I don't know. Just me. Food for thought. You know, something I didn't do over the holidays, um, I didn't watch any movies. I uh, spent a good amount of time agonizing over whether or not to watch uh, the Wonder Woman 84 flick when it came out on Christmas Day but ultimately never got around to pulling the trigger. Um, I'm, I made the mistake. I kind of second-guessed myself. I really enjoyed the first Wonder Woman film, um, the first of the, the modern-day Gal Gadot, or however you say her name, uh, Wonder Woman films. Really enjoyed that first one. Don't remember a second of it, but I do remember enjoying it while I watched it. Um, but then I worked myself into a shoot and started reading reviews of uh, the new one to decide whether to watch it or not. And it was difficult to get a good read at first because initially I was seeing a ton of negative reviews, but they were almost all just the insane rantings of incel mutants who were just up in arms that uh, Wonder Woman flick would um, feature a woman. I mean, that was just that was a bridge too far for these fellows. So, you know, that's just kind of noise. But as that noise subsided and as I kind of like clawed my way past the mutants and some actual human beings started giving their opinions, I started seeing just so many negative takes that I just couldn't pull the trigger. So that's my my own review of Wonder Woman 84, a film I didn't watch. Um Another film I didn't watch was this film called Soul, the new Pixar movie. And I am not, I'm, ne I'm neither pro nor anti-Pixar. I probably have like a 50-50 track record on whether I've seen Pixar films or not. Is that true? I don't know. I saw the first to Toy Story. I saw the Toy Story sequel where, spoiler alert for probably a decades-old movie, um, like uh, uh, there's like some evil toys that went crazy because they never got removed from their packages. And then at the end, one is like stuck with this little girl who like 
Defaces or Barbies or something. So, so, so I saw at least two Toy Story movies. I'm not sure how many there have been. Um, I saw Big Hero 6. That was a Pixar movie, right? I like that one. Um, I saw the Minions one. Was that Pixar or was that something else? I think that might have been something else. Anyway, seen some, haven't seen a ton. So it's not like this was on my must-watch. But I saw the ads for this movie, Soul, another movie. And, you know, I thought, oh, you know, it might be nice to watch a movie on Christmas. Um, ultimately, again, did not pull the trigger. But I was very curious as to what this movie actually was. Because like the, the, just the, the movie poster didn't really give away a lot. And I saw some people talking about it. And just to understand what they were talking about, I was like, well, you know what? I'm not going to watch this thing, but... Did the old, uh, just read the Wikipedia summary instead. I do that a lot. Um, a lot, a lot of uh, television shows and films I have not watched. We'll probably never get around to watching. But I've read the Wikipedia plot summary. So read the Wikipedia plot summary for Soul. And so um, it got me thinking, <laughs> funny, you know, I have these thoughts now on a film that I have not seen and probably never will see. But from what I understand, and I guess I should throw a spoiler alert out there, but I'm not even going to talk about the plot. I'm just going to talk about broad brushstrokes, what I have read, at least some people took to be the meaning or takeaway of this film. Um, I'm going to talk about that in conjunction with the idea of starting a new year and what I've been thinking about starting this new year. And... um, you know, I'm a rebel, Dottie. I'm a loner. I like to think of myself as an iconoclast, like uh, probably everyone in my age group and demo does. We're all a bunch of rebels. Um, but the minute that new year kicks in, we're all clamoring around, just like the rest of the sheeple, wanting to to uh, set our life to right, uh, you know, accomplish all those things we didn't accomplish last year. We're, we're all in on the... Uh, the New Year self improvement stuff. It's very very hard social pull not to at least find out just a part of yourself getting drawn into. It's like you know maybe it is the New Year. Maybe I should uh, turn over at least half of a new leaf. So yeah, as much as as much as I and many people I know like to um, fancy ourselves out of step with the lame stream, I notice there's an awful lot of uh, reflection and. Um, uh, attempt at self-correction for at least the first couple days of the new year. I, I definitely been the case for me over most of my adult life. And this year's no different. I've, I've spent some time taking stock and thinking about what I would like to change and uh, autopsies and reflections from the year that was. Um, and so anyway, the way that this uh, falls in line with what I read about the movie that I did not see, Soul, is that from what I understand... One of the takeaways you can uh, walk away with having viewed, or in my case, not viewed, the movie Soul, is this idea that a person's personhood, a person's soul, as it were, is not as we often um, believe to be the sum of a person's talents or drive or accomplishments, but rather simply a fact of a person's existence. And while in some ways that might seem like a very basic statement, I think when you take a step back and think about how those of us um, in... Um, 
I mean, I can only speak for life in a first world developed nation, but in, you know, that type of lifestyle. Um, if you think about how those of us in this culture look at life, to say that your soul is just your being in the world, and I would up that one, um, up that by one and say you're being in the world as it relates to other people, because I think just you yourself is not a person. You have to be that person in your relationships with others. But in, in any case, I think that that's actually a pretty profound statement because we spend so much of our time being bombarded with uh, messages that we are only what we accomplish. We are only the sum of our material success, our accolades, our degrees, our um, what we, the, the material items that we accumulate, etc., etc. But ultimately, that kind of stuff can't possibly be the measure of a person because that stuff is so, I mean, being a person's ephemeral enough as it is. You're, you're here and then you're gone. But even during that time of being here, those kudos, those accolades, the, the stuff that you perceive or that other, others perceive as a success, that can be gone even faster. And we really saw that um, over the course of this last year. If there's anything that 2020 um, actually, um, I think, was a positive for was um, a real uh, stark look at how flimsy so much of the stuff that we build our identities on, our sense of purpose on, really are. I know when I've done my own look back at the year that was, I've had a little bit of, um, I guess you'd call it survivor's guilt. Because to be totally honest, my 2020 wasn't really bad at all. Um, I was in the extremely fortunate position where A, um, our household's income was not dependent on an industry that ceased to exist and or did not receive adequate uh, federal financial assistance during a uh, national and international emergency. So that part was secure. Um, but then I was also fortunate enough that, you know, I have a family and I have people that when the rest of the world shut down, I was able to turn to and I was able to, to be reminded that yeah, I mean, most of this stuff just doesn't matter. So... Um, I realize not everyone is uh, in that position. And so, you know, I feel bad for feeling good about what I learned from what I, I do actually have in a position where, where the rest of the world falls apart. Um, but really, regardless of what your own personal situation is um, and whether 2020 was a good year, a bad year, or somewhere in between, I think we can all take away something um, from this idea of just kind of recalibrating what's important in life. What really should we be thinking about and stressing about and worrying about um, when it comes to personal change, personal growth in a new year? Is it that we want to accomplish more in this next year? Is it we want to collect more things? Is it we want to... Uh, um, uh, change the way we look. And I mean, there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with any of that stuff, but is that really the uh, deepest measure 
of um, our lives and what we can hope for? Or is it actually making our world simultaneously smaller but larger? Just uh, focusing more on appreciating what we do have in our lives, who we are, who we know, the people that actually are here right in front of us right now, kind of taking greater advantage of that, uh, reaching out to the friends that we do have, um, uh, solidifying relationships that do exist, repairing ones that have broken. Um, I think there's a lot to be found there in 2021, and that's kind of what I'm going to be looking for personally. I think about uh, my own life, and I realize, for instance, my oldest daughter, Miss Sensational One, is going to be turning 16, and that means really a, a small window of time that she will still be in our immediate household, most likely. Um, and that's something that for the last, you know, 15 years, I've just taken as a given that there's this child that is just always going to be in our home. So half the time, like, it's not that I don't pay attention to her, but it just, you know, I think of it as just, oh, humdrum every day. Now, what should I be accomplishing now? When really maybe what I should be doing is uh, appreciating this last bit of time we have together in this way before it goes away forever. So folks, I think I'm going to call it here. This was a bit of a rambling episode, but I'm just trying to get back recalibrated after being off for a few weeks and just sharing some uh, thoughts and reflections moving forward into this new year where maybe trying to achieve more stuff isn't the be-all, end-all trying to appreciate what we have, and more importantly, who we have, is really our prime concern, or at least mine. Talk to you next week on the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the IC Robots Radio Network. This is Mr. Sensational Gino Vega signing off.